I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm Katie Pavlich. I'm Steve Ducey. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. I'm Eben Brown. Another day, another wait and see in Ukraine. What will Vladimir Putin do? And what will the West do after? While people are, are quite calm in the streets of, of Kiev, there is an understanding among the population that nothing could happen. But at the same time, they have to be prepared for something quite catastrophic to happen. This is the Fox News Rundown the Evening Edition. Ukraine's president says tomorrow is the day he expects the Russian army to advance. Why he feels this is the date, no one knows, but Volodymyr Zelensky hopes the Ukrainian people will either be ready to fight or withstand it. Right now is a really confusing place to be for the entire world, but especially for the Ukrainian people. Fox News correspondent Trey Yingst has been reporting from Kyiv, the capital city of Ukraine, but has also had the chance to speak with Ukrainians from around that nation, including the part of the country that has considered itself at war with Russia, For the better part of a decade, while no one can say what will happen next or who will be the hero or villain, life in Ukraine goes forward. Today we saw President Vladimir Putin of Russia come out and basically say he's open to diplomacy. He is open to more conversations with the West and with NATO and with the Americans and that he would indeed be drawing down certain troops who were staging along Ukraine's border. And he sort of painted this picture of hope amid an extremely uncertain time for this region. But the reality on on the ground is far different. There are still more than 100,000 troops staging along Ukraine's border with Russia. There's around 30,000 troops in neighboring Belarus. And all Western intelligence indications are that Russia continues to prepare for a military offensive. And so where things stand today is, is quite uncertain. We don't know what the coming days will bring, but while people are are quite calm in the streets of of Kiev, where we are right now, there is an understanding among the population that nothing could happen. But at the same time, they have to be prepared for something quite catastrophic to happen, which could look like an aerial campaign against their capital city. This type of uh, aerial campaign that you are talking about, I mean, are are people... Uh, thinking that th- this could be like a, a an all-out bombing of their city, uh, what what good would that do for Russia to lay waste to Kiev? I think people are prepared for that possibility. It's one of the worst case scenarios for the civilian population here, but there's a real understanding that one of the major options President Putin has is to surround the Ukrainian capital. But according to the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. That would begin with multiple days of bombing campaigns, targeting infrastructure in the city that could be used to resist against the Russians. So we would likely see things like police stations, army barracks, potentially field hospital areas, not the hospital necessarily directly, but the routes to get to the these critical pieces of infrastructure in a war. So like the bridges, for example, that would lead to an area that Ukrainian troops need to continue their operations. These are the types of targets that would likely be hit in that type of campaign. And the goal would be to really deeply blow the morale of the of the Ukrainian army and and armed forces here, but also 
send a message that this is a, a serious war. And if people resist, those people will die. And, and it's quite a, a serious reality that the Ukrainian people could face. So I, I think, again, that's the worst case scenario that you see this level of aerial campaign against the Ukrainian people. But it is a very real scenario. And we have heard just being in Ukraine, people talking about where the bomb shelters are, how to get to the metro so that you can go down the escalator because it's one of the safest places. And these are conversations that are currently taking place in the Ukrainian capital. The more I read about this, and I think so many people are, are in the same boat right now here in the United States, when we, we read about this, we watch about it on, on television, we're not quite sure how we got to this point. Certainly, Russia doesn't necessarily need the extra territory, but they, you know, is it just hubris on the part of Vladimir Putin? He wants to have the, the old union back together, if you will. Are, are the people in Ukraine just as confused, or do they have a different view as to what's been going on? Well, they understand largely the viewpoint of President Putin and how he sees the Ukrainian people. As recently as last year, Putin wrote an essay talking about how he sees the Ukrainians and the Russians as one and the same. This is a man who called the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991 the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. There is an understanding that President Putin would like to see Ukraine, at least partially under his control, but on a more surface level, foreign policy level for the Russian government, President Putin is looking for security guarantees that A, Ukraine will never be a member of NATO, that B, there will not be a larger expansion east of NATO offensive weapon systems, and C, that he's able to operate in the region and support groups like the separatists in the eastern part of Ukraine freely without having pressure from the West. And it's a reality where there's not a whole lot of negotiation. There's not a whole lot of room to negotiate, quite frankly, because while NATO does not accept Ukraine as a member, Ukraine is an ally of many European countries, of the United States, and it represents something much larger. It, it represents the ability for a country to be sovereign. And, and that's sort of part of the issue here is that the Russians back in 2014 took over Crimea. They supported Russian-backed separatists in the eastern part of Ukraine. And slowly they, over time, chipped away at land that belongs to Ukraine. And that is not what NATO wants to be seen as acceptable in Europe. And it's not something that in the coming weeks or months will be okay. And that's why you hear a lot about sanctions if Russia does decide to even partially invade Ukraine further. You've been listening to Fox News' Trey Yingst reporting from Kiev, Ukraine on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. We'll be right back. Russia is very famous or infamous for trying to show its strength and then agreeing to come to the table after it's made its point. Is that where we are right now? You, you've, you mentioned earlier that uh, the Russians are willing to engage in some more diplomacy here to head off an invasion. Uh, has Russia made its point or, or are there points to be made? I, I, I think that we still don't know the end game here. This isn't so much a waiting game because I don't think decisions have been made. Exactly. We don't know the end game. And while President Putin did come out today and say he was open to engaging in further conversation with NATO countries, he did not indicate he will pull back 
his forces from Ukraine's border. While there was a small group, it appears, of troops that will be moving back to their home bases, this comes as other troops are headed to fill numerous other positions along the border. So it's sort of a wash. It, it isn't this big breaking headline, I think, that we saw today. And, and the reality is you won't be able to tell just how serious the Russians are until satellite imagery comes out and you can compare what the troop movements and positions looked like early this week versus early next week. And if there are far fewer troops along the border with Ukraine, then maybe President Putin is serious in his efforts to chase down a diplomatic solution. But Western intelligence analysts, uh, top Ukrainian officials, uh, members of parliament that we've talked to, and, and not all of the members of parliament, but but a number of officials in Kiev that we've spoken with don't think that's the case. They, they see this as President Putin buying time, uh, but it doesn't mean they're panicking. Like many of the people in the capital of Kiev and, and those that we spoke to in the countryside, we, we drove very close to Crimea over the weekend. They're not afraid because they've been at war with Russia for eight years. They have heard the threats over and over again. And it, it's just so interesting to see in the streets of Kiev, we came across a, a protest this week and there were hundreds of university age students protesting. And the initial thought was, oh, it has to be something related to Russia, Ukraine. I mean, there's a chance that their entire country may be invaded in the coming days, but it had nothing to do with Russia. It had to do with a, a minister who controls education in Ukraine and a corruption case. And so people are going about their normal lives. They are protesting for things that have nothing to do with the current conflict. And I think that was just one of many scenes that we've seen develop in Ukraine over the past week that show people may have some concern, but they're not letting it stop them from going about what they'd normally be doing. It helps to point out that uh, probably here in the United States, we don't have the right picture. We talk about Ukrainians as if they are one giant uh a group of people thinking all the same thing at the same time. And I know that that's not true. Uh, you have mentioned previously Russian-backed separatists. Uh, there are, are Ukrainians who have much more affinity towards Russia and others that, that have much, much less. Uh, and so there are a lot of factions that, that would like different outcomes here, aren't there? Absolutely. There are multiple members of parliament that are considered pro-Russian. And it sometimes makes voting difficult on domestic issues that most of the members of parliament in, in many votes that you look at in the past felt needed to be addressed from the perspective of what's best for Ukraine. And that's just simply not how things operate here. Um, I think another key factor that people in the United States should think about, it's the current Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, a man who was elected after playing a president on TV. He was one of the most famous people in Ukraine, but a comedian and an actor. Not, he didn't have a political background, but now this is the man at the center of this conflict from the Ukrainian perspective. He's calling the shots. And he's actually quite popular among many sectors of the Ukrainian political population, but he is someone who so far in this developing crisis has actually not agreed in ways you would think he would with the West. And I spoke to him over the weekend, really pressing him on this idea of Western intelligence that indicates his country's about to be invaded. And after a lot of escapism from my questions, he finally came to the conclusion 
that he could say his thoughts out loud. And his thoughts are that they have different intelligence and different perspectives on what's about to happen. Now, there's a lot of internal political discussions about why that is. Is it based on the fact that maybe they don't have the full picture? Is it based on the fact they don't want to panic the population? But the bottom line is there, his critics say he's not taking it seriously enough. So like many places in the world, there's a lot of politics underlying in this conflict. And there's a lot of uncertainty for the Ukrainian people who will be affected by the decisions that are made by their leaders. I, I think here domestically uh, in the United States, this is going to be uh, viewed as some sort of test for the Biden administration. Uh, how how do the Ukrainian people view the Biden administration? Do they feel that uh, they have an ally or, or, a, or a helping hand with the United States right now, or do they feel otherwise? Uh, because so much of world politics does depend on on how the U.S. interacts with that nature, that region of the world in question at the at the time. I wouldn't say that we have heard much specifically about President Biden. The comments that we hear from Ukrainian civilians are much more focused on the United States as a whole. And we were in a church this week speaking with an older woman who was there praying and she was literally praying for peace. She was quite concerned. She didn't plan to leave Kiev, but she was quite con concerned about the possibility of a Russian invasion. And without even asking her about the United States, she voluntarily brought up America. And she said, we are so thankful to America for supplying us with weapons and support amid this very difficult time for our country. And so I think she's a representative example of of a common sentiment that we hear from Ukrainians, and they are thankful for the outside support, especially from the United States. And sometimes that doesn't even mean military support. It doesn't have to be an anti-tank javelin missile. It can just be a comment by President Biden or leadership in Congress saying that that particular politician stands with Ukraine. That means a lot to the Ukrainian people because they know this is a David and Goliath fight. They are up against one of the strongest militaries in the region, in the world. And it's led by a man, Vladimir Putin, who does not see Ukraine as deserving of sovereignty. And so they understand that and they understand the risk is very real. And so any support, especially from the United States, is pretty broadly appreciated based on the conversations that we've had. Trey Yinkst in Kiev for Fox News. Thank you for being with us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.